right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to the show. Today we are joined by Lewis the Monster Cozy. Lewis, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Hey, it's great to have you on. Uh, we just had your brother Orion on the show a couple of days ago. And what's exciting is you guys are both fighting on the Dana White Contender Series, which now is under a week away. It'll be Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night. Uh, but it was great having him on. But you are the main event. So I am thrilled to have you on. Um, and you, you and your brother both have undefeated 6-0. and record so how'd you guys end up with exactly the same record as each other uh i'm not sure about that one i guess, <laughs> I guess it was just fate or something <laughs> yeah right well w- when we talk about your six fights they're all wins by finishes four ko's two subs obviously you got the opportunity to be in the main event what does it mean to you to get the opportunity for Dana White, and then is there any difference knowing that you're the main event? Um, the opportunity is awesome, man, because it's a chance to change everything. You know, it's everything I've worked for. The chance to get into the UFC and actually like try to chase the dream of being the best, mm-hmm. and then uh, the chance, and then getting the opportunity to be the main. It's pretty awesome, honestly. It's it's a pretty cool feeling to know that I'll be like the last fight. I've been happy too if a round would have got it. But it feels good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked to Orion a little bit about what's it like fighting on the same card. Unfortunately, he said that you guys have had that experience before. Um, so, what's it like knowing that you're going to watch him go first? Um, is is that something that you're that that you think is going to pump you up, or how do you manage your emotions given the fact that you still have to fight? I feel like it's a little easier for Orion, who can go out there to do his best, and then no matter what. He's watching you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Um, to be honest, I don't really know. I, I, I think I might do just fine watching Orion. Yeah, watching his fight and stuff. I'll probably be warming up then. Sure. So I'll probably be watching the first round more than anything. Sure. I imagine it'll be like a high-paced first round, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But cool. more than anything, I, I got to focus on my fight too and make sure I walk out that W. I've competed on cards with Orion before, so it's, it won't be like a, a new feeling, you know? Right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you guys have both had that experience. Now, speaking of some of your uh, past, I, I couldn't on Tapology find any amateur results, and I know they're not always great at putting amateur results. So what was your amateur career like, and, and how did you know you were ready to turn pro? Uh, I think my amateur record was like four and one. My first two fights, I wasn't really training, to be honest. I ended up like beating some guy, just choking him out in the second. Mm-hmm. Then I ended up getting choked out my second fight, and then I actually started training at uh, the gym I'm with now, Lost Boys. I had like no jiu-jitsu at the time or nothing. <laughs> and uh, that's when MMA got a lot more serious for me. So, but... Yeah, just four and one. I did a couple smoker fights where I fought like three to four, three to four times in a night. Wow! And it was just like a three minute round, just going out there and go getting it. <laughs> sure. But yeah, those were pretty fun. But other than all, I felt like I had pretty good experience, and um, 
the only reason I did it is because uh, Uriah Faber came up one time, and he pretty much just asked my coach why we weren't pro yet, and that was when I went pro. After this fucking guy that's a Hall of Famer and shit that's been fighting for years, asked yeah. him why we went pro. I, I pretty much just went pro after that, and it's been going I, good ever since. Uh, yeah, it's been going great. Now, I, I know California is obviously a huge state, and you guys train out of the Lost Boys Gym Jiu-Jitsu. Um, how close is that to Uriah? Uh, Uriah Faber's uh, Alpha Males gym. Have you guys cross-chained there, or is that way far away? Orion actually is living down there. He's been living down there for the past two years, and that's where he trains mostly at. Okay. I'll go down there once in a great while, but I, I mostly do my training up here with my coaches. Okay. And um, it's about five hours uh, south of me. Right. I figured it's spread out. California is huge. And I'm from Pennsylvania, yeah. and six hours is the entire state side to side yeah. so five hours you'd be almost out of the state uh in Pennsylvania. of course delaware is so tiny i joke about that all the time delaware's like an hour or two hours and you're out of it but uh, yeah. well that's cool so you talked about your coaches and your training um obviously you're well-rounded i mean i'd say most mma fighters coming up now are well-rounded what did you bring yeah. into mma that's that that's kind of working for you whether it's wrestling or comfortable in the stand-up kind of where does your game where does your game kind of originate prior to all your training well i got into wrestling when i was super young and i got into boxing when i was in the seventh grade okay and then muay thai was like when i was a sophomore like kickboxing and all that stuff then i started doing jiu-jitsu about five to six years ago now so boxing and wrestling were like the first two things i did and i remember like being young man fucking and a lot of the older cats, I, there wasn't too many kids to spar with other than my brother and stuff. And um, a lot of the other kids kind of just fell off. But there were some grown men that were doing, like, amateur fights and shit, like my buddy. Mm-hmm. There's, like, three to four of them, and I pretty much, like, just hopped right in with them. It was pretty much just keep your chin tucked and fucking get out there. Because there weren't no kids to spar with, so I, I pretty much just had to start sparring with the grown men right away. Sure. Sure. Um, Orion was saying that you guys kind of encourage each other by saying that you've hit each other harder than pretty much anybody else will hit you. Is that kind of how you feel that as brothers you've sparred hard and you've kind of gotten a lot of your hits in with him? Yeah. I mean, that fucking guy went to a couple of good sparring wars, but uh, I try not to spar too hard anymore. I don't think it's smart, especially if you want to fight and stay active, you know, that's a lot of fucking head trauma on your brain. So I try to stay away from the hard sparring. It's more like just technical nowadays because I know for a fact I can go out there and go get it. So, I mean, it doesn't sure. prove me any good to know, like, to bomb on somebody in practice. Right. But he is a good person to spar with. I do believe in going hard to the body and legs, though, just not to the head. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the first – there's probably been a couple, but I remember the first UFC uh, champion caliber guy that brought that up years ago now before he won – Uh, The title was Robbie Lawler. He had been fighting since he was a teenager um, and had done always hard sparring all the time. Um, And he made a big deal about going, I think it was two or three years without any sparring at all. And then he started bringing in the limited sparring to like the legs and the body. And then because he was saying your head can only take so much. So I really think that's very smart. And some gyms still promote the brawling, fighting every day, but it sounds like you're in a pretty technical gym. Now, coaches-wise, um, obviously, coaches are very important. How do, you, how do you kind of connect to them? Are they very cerebral? Do they, do they control, like, 
exactly what you do work out or are they more sit back and watch and then kind of give you pointers sort of how does the coaching process work or are there set plans that type of stuff no it's really hands-on uh i got a striking coach and i got a jiu-jitsu coach okay and my striking coach i work on with like four to five days of the week sometimes even more and uh that's hands-on that's mitts that's fucking body conditioning Mm-hmm. That's footwork. That's everything. That's drills, fucking technique, pretty much everything. And then he'll throw me out there in sparring, sparring, and pretty much just coach me through my sparring and see where I'm fucking up and where I'm doing right, where I, what I need to start doing more and stuff, more foot movement, more head movement. Sure. Uh, what, what combos I need to do. And my uh, jiu-jitsu coach, he's hands-on too. We'll we'll roll. He'll pretty much just give me pointers and coach me out through some, uh, my matches and stuff. Tell me what I need to do. I need to be heavier on top when I need to get up to my back to my fucking feet. What positions I need to uh, work harder in and not sit in, sit down back on my back, you know? Sure. So they're really hands-on. They're they're really good coaches. They're, they're really hands-on, and we just – yeah, this is hard work, man. No, that's great. I, I always ask that question because uh, the coach-to-athlete relationship can be different depending on the – the coach, depending on the athlete, depending on how it's set up, and obviously, shout out to yeah. everybody, coach, your coaches at the at the Lost Boys uh, Jiu Jitsu. Hopefully, you're you're going to do a lot to put them kind of on the map, and that's kind of what you see in the UFC is certain gyms um, are hot for a while because of the people they produce, and then sometimes they kind of go out of favor. And obviously, um, with you and your brother both um, hitting the UFC at the same time, that'll be really exciting. Now, as you and your coaches have, obviously this is a huge opportunity for you. As you've talked about it, your opponent, uh, Victor Reyna, 11 and four, nobody coming into Dana White Contended Series is a slouch. Obviously everybody's got at least a good record and and something that's getting them into the show. So um, those coaches, do they do a lot of breakdown tape and do they look at Victor or is it more, this is what Orion was saying, which I, which I think could be a good mindset. He was saying, he just tries to constantly make himself better, less about the opponent, more about making himself better. Do you do you strictly look at yourself, or do you also kind of look at what Victor brings to the table? Both. Okay. Both. I'm always, like, every single day you're putting, you're trying to get 1% better, you know, so I'm always trying to get better. But then there's going to be days, too, where I'm trying to get better, but we're also pointing out stuff where I think I can catch this fucking guy. Where, sure. Definitely, because you want you definitely don't want to do your homework. You know, you want to know where this guy's positive at, where he's weak at. That's what I'm looking at. I I want to win in a fashionable statement, so I do look at sure. these things. But I'm always ever ever trying to improve. I'm always trying to get better. My coaches do a good job too. They watch this guy's film and they break him down. Sure. There's certain combos that he teaches me that, that I believe I can catch him with, and there's certain things that I think I can just maul this guy with. You know. Sure. So, I, I believe in both. I believe in getting better every single day. But also, I think about the things where I can catch this guy. And that's just for myself also. Because it, it pays off to uh, win in style points, you know? It catches people's eyes instead of fucking people just trying to get the W in a boring fashion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we it, Kind of the critical joke uh, in MMA is the lay and pray. I, I think that style has more or less gone out as people get more and more well-rounded. But obviously, there was a time in the UFC where if somebody got on top with heavy wrestling, a lot of people didn't know what to do and they just kind of got stuck and it was super boring, but it was obviously effective. Yeah. And so obviously all finishes. I heard Dana last week when he was, um, when he was doing the, who got into the UFC, I was watching that 
uh, YouTube clip when he was talking about it, and he brought up several times the the fighters finishing rate coming into the show and that was kind of interesting because he was kind of saying like hey this guy even before this show even before tonight has a 80 percent or 90 percent finish rate i didn't hear anybody that had 100 to my knowledge but obviously you and your brother both do so i think you already are coming in with that style points of being a finisher um and so obviously like you said you want to keep that finishing mindset rolling yeah um yeah which is great um, now, as far as just logistics go, obviously UFC is doing an incredible job putting fights on during the pandemic. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are driving out because Vegas is relatively close to California. But what do you kind of know of the behind-the-scenes logistics? Like we're talking right now on Thursday night. Um, when are you planning on headed out uh, to Vegas as far as the timeline? Because you're fighting Tuesday. Yeah, I'm flying out Saturday morning. Okay. Yeah, flying out Saturday morning, I should get there in a couple hours from there. Right, okay, because I know that that's a relatively short uh, trip. And then the weigh-ins, are, the official weigh-ins are on Monday. It's 24 hours ahead. Um, or do they do a longer weigh-in ahead just like – because like for the main events, for the UFC cards, they do like a 36-hour ahead with a longer I – uh, I think the weigh-ins are 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm pretty sure. Right. Okay. So then they're giving you, so they're giving you more of that, like thirty plus thirty six hour uh, recovery. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. God. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's just. I mean, that's incredible that you're able to not only have the opportunity, but do it during this pandemic. When did you and your team, your coaches, your manager, when did you guys know that the Dana White was a was a done deal? It was going to happen this this season. Uh, I knew for a while now. It was actually supposed to be the last month, the beginning of last month, then COVID happened. Sure. And I thought I was going to get a short notice fight during all this bullshit. Right. So I've been training nonstop since my last one. And then um, I heard about it, I think, the last week of June, where – might not have been the last week of June. It might have been, like, mid-June, where I heard about it was, like, inked and stone. And I was just like, okay, okay. But then uh, I think I got my contract. The first week of uh, July, and that's when I knew for sure. Sure. Well, it, it obviously helps that you are ready and constantly training. And with your record of all finishes 6-0, and it would make sense that you could have potentially jumped into a card and just skipped over the Dana White Contender Series um, altogether. Yeah. I ask people on the series this question. I think by now it's a fairly obvious answer, but I'll still get your feedback on it. Um, given the fact that you have this opportunity, had you been given the choice between going on to the traditional The Ultimate Fighter show for the eight weeks or whatever it was, or the Dana White Contender Series, and you had a choice between both of them, which one do you think would have been better for you? Uh, this one for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't want to stay in a house eight weeks with a bunch of fucking dudes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and probably even more than that, because obviously they try to get on each other's nerves and it becomes drama. But something that comes up over and over again when I ask that question, which I think by now it's pretty obvious that this is a better method, is because you get to train with your coaches. One of the things that does not make sense and tough is people get thrown in with coaches that don't know them, mindsets that are different. You just talked about how great your coaches are and work with you. And now here you are at the most important time in your career, getting coached by other people. It doesn't make sense. And I think the Contender Series works because it gives you the opportunity to come in like a camp that you would have when you're in the UFC. 
Because when you're in the UFC, you train elsewhere and come in. So I'm glad that it's a, it's a great series, and I'm glad you're on it, obviously, as far as that goes. Thank you. Now, now, of course, now prediction-wise, you're saying – Obviously, you want something flashy, memorable. Do you get into predictions? Do you want to make a prediction? Or is getting a win good enough for you? But to be honest, I always predict to myself knocking the guy out. Okay. I wouldn't mind winning by decision, like mauling the dude. I'm not against, against winning by decision. I, I've i always thought it'd be cool to, like, sit out there and go for three rounds and actually, like, pretty much get to know the other person and scrap, you know, and fucking – I think I go three rounds pretty easy. But at the same time – it's my job to go out there and put this fucking guy out, and it's, that's the way I have to look at it. I'm sure, sure he looked at it the same way, so my yeah, prediction is that I'm going to go out there and knock his ass out, but we'll see right. what happens, you know? And obviously when I'm looking at your, when I'm looking at your record that, that people, our listeners, are probably not pulled up unless they know you, they'll know. All your finishes have come in the first round, so when you say you go out there and try to finish it, two of your finishes were under a minute, one in 18 seconds, with a knockout, one in eight seconds with a knockout, so it looks like you're going at Gamebred's record there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, it's great to have that mindset, but also know that you can go that you can go the three rounds. Obviously, like you said, there is something to be said for a decision win when you're dominant. But in this example, get, getting a getting a finish is kind of what yeah. this whole series is about, which is great. Well, given the fact that you've that you've kind of given us your game plan and your and your background stuff what do you want us still to know going into this fight um that you think we haven't covered so far uh not a whole lot man i know the guy's gonna be tough yeah i know that for sure he's kind of an older cat and i i imagine he's looking at it like this might be his last chance redemption or some shit you know sure. so he, he the way i look at it, he's probably gonna try to take my head off too and then um we're going to see how it goes because I know for a fact just the way I fight and shit, I'm definitely going to try to rip his jaw off. It's just, it's just the way it has to go. It's just all business in the end. And then hopefully I can do it technically and beautiful and see how, see where we play off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Balancing that aggression and your raw killer instinct with the technique to get it done, which which is obviously the blend that I'm sure your coaches are working on well just like just like what i what i want to do with your brother i'd love to have you back on the show when you get the win and we can talk about how it went the behind the scenes the the adrenaline all the different stuff with the fight plus um you getting the contract and all of that so um it's been incredible having you on the show and i know you've only got Thank five you. more days or whatever it is so best wishes to you and your brother can't wait to have you back on the show to talk about how Thank everything you, Yes, absolutely. Well, you've been listening to Lewis the Monster Cozy on MMA Fancast. Thanks so much, Lewis, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, man. Take care.